Hey, it's your wingman, Kagan, and welcome to the Dangerously Vulnerable Podcast, where we talk to honest leaders who care less about perception and more about the success of others. Today, we're going to dive into a visionary's life and learn how adversity, failings, and bad decisions have shaped their lives, their thinking, and their definition of success. There's absolutely no room for inflated success stories, so you can take notes on the learnings that have shaped them for the better. This podcast is brought to you by Height Digital in Oklahoma City, one of the leading creative and marketing agencies for visionaries looking to accelerate their growth and increase their revenue. Let's go. Jed Chapel, how are you? Doing wonderful, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, thanks for being on the Dangerously Vulnerable podcast. My first question for yeah. you today is, are you willing to be dangerously vulnerable? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's okay. what I'm all about these days. <laughs> all right. Perfect. Perfect. Mm. Well, I didn't expect anything different. Um, but before we start, I definitely want to make sure our audience knows a little bit more about who you are. And so okay. can you just tell us a little bit about where you where you are right now and uh, what you're doing? I'm actually sitting in my home and I've been working all day and uh, I am in the middle of raising funds for our, our nonprofit organization. And how much are we how much are we looking to raise? We're, the goal this year is two hundred thousand dollars at this specific event. Event, yeah. So got it. All right. And uh, what is this? What is this going to do for us? It's going to help us um, serve families and, and young people in our community. So what we do is we have a resource center in the middle of War Acres where we have a food pantry, a clothing closet, and a, a, an after school program and summer program for youth. Awesome. Okay. And so this is called OK City Center located um, roughly, is it considered Bethany or Oklahoma City? It's kind of in the middle, it's, right? It's in War Acres. Yeah. So okay. City Center sits in the, in right on the edge of War Acres and Bethany. Yep. So we get to okay. serve families in both of those areas, but we also serve the Oklahoma City area. So people come from all over to, to come and access resources. Yep. Okay. So you're not doing this justice because when I walked through um, this, this building and saw what you were accomplishing here. Um, first off, I knew that it took a lot more people than just you and your mm -hmm. wife, Julie, mm -hmm. um, but you guys have been a huge part in making a, a dramatic impact in the lives of people. Um, can you just run through, like, I need, I'm a visual person. Um, can sure. you help everyone understand, like, as they walk into this, I want them to understand a little bit more about how they're going to feel and what they're going to see in this place, because there's something so special about this place. Well, I really appreciate you saying that. And you're absolutely 100% correct. It does take more than just Julie and I. We've been doing this for five years and we have an incredible staff. We have a site director, a programs director, programs coordinator, and a nutrition coordinator. And they all absolutely make the magic happen. And so when you walk in the space, we always want to say we want, the, we want you to feel like the building is hugging you. And so we've made this space mm -hmm. feel like a home, you know, and when you walk into the building, uh, we refer to everything in home terms. There's a dining room, there's the living room, there's the clothing closet, there's the kitchen, there's the, uh, we now are going to call it the lounge. It was it's also going to be used for educational purposes, but then we also have the gym where recreational activities are happening. Um, we also have the, the basketball courts and futsal courts outside where we, we highly encourage um, uh, recreational activities in our space because we want kids and families to be healthy. And so, yeah, it's just a resource center uh, so people can come and access resources that otherwise aren't accessible because we realize in this neighborhood that we sit in, um, we, there are food insecurities and there are other insecurities uh, surrounding clothing 
and other things like that. So I believe in the Putnam City Schools District, uh, if not fully 100% uh, free and reduced, almost 100%, uh, all of the school lunches are 100, almost 100% free and reduced uh, wow. lunches there in the school district. So uh, wow. we realize this is a very important need in our community. So yeah, definitely. All right. So there's, there's some numbers that, that I'm thinking about. And when, when I was walking through there, one of the things we uh, went to was uh, the clothing area. What do you all call that again? What is the, it's the clothing closet? There? Okay. Clothing closet. Yeah. And uh, how, how many clothes do you give out per week? Oh man, I can't put a number on the articles of clothing, but I know yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of articles of clothing. I wish my wife was here. She's incredible with the numbers. I, I but think we, she, I think she said hundreds, if not thousands. I mean, yes, it's I it's mean, definitely it's, a lot of articles of clothing. But we we see at least three hundred to three hundred and fifty families, not individuals, but families, come through there each week, each month. And so we see so many families come through our our clothing closet and food pantry. We give so many clothes and food items away each month that it's just, it's very obvious that there's a great need in our community. And, you know, we all know right now, you as a, as a business owner, myself as a nonprofit leader and a resource center, um, you know, operator and CEO, this inflation thing has really hit people in a very hard way. And even we don't want to use the R word, but recession is, is something that's been talked mm -hmm. about and it's affecting everybody, you know, and honest, honestly, it's affecting you know, the most vulnerable people in our community. And so food, clothing, uh, it's a great need right now. And so that's why we're here and that's why we exist. Something that uh, continues to to make me emotional. I know we were sitting in a, in, in a boardroom the other day and I couldn't help but tear up. But talking, talking about one of the things that I think Julie mentioned when I was touring is that you, you talked a lot about dignity. And it was yeah. something that really touched me um, because I think that there's a lot of times where, uh, you know, we set these we set these charitable organizations up or we set these places where we can give to you know those in need, and sometimes I believe even in our good intentions we don't do it in the way that is best for the one we're giving to the one who's receiving, and I think that you guys have set this up uh, just so well. And, and so can you just share a little bit about the, the dignity piece of the puzzle here? Sure. You know, it, that really moved me just talking to you about that as we we're, cause we're working on a website, you know, with you and, yeah. and, um, but learn, working with you, I've learned that, man, I don't want anybody else working on my website, but you, <laughs> um, after hearing your heart and how much that meant to you, because it means so much to us, you know, mm -hmm. dignity is a really important value, uh, in how we operate at city center, you know, when you, it's not just giving away an article of clothing or offering a food box or, or, or a hot meal. It's how you offer that. It's how you serve someone. It's how you love someone and care for someone. You know, we've been in situations my wife and I both where we didn't feel very loved or, or very cared for when we were offered a service or, or something in our yeah. past. And so it's how you make someone feel when you're serving them and, and caring for them. And so everything we do at City Center is centered around dignity and value and love and care. Because when we walk away and they walk away from our and they walk out of our doors, we want them to feel loved, cared for mm -hmm. and dignified. 
because that's what's going to build people up to a path of restoration. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. It's one thing to be served and relieved. We need relief. You know, if you're sure. if you're hungry, if you're hurting, if you're lacking some kind of resource, you need that resource. But at some point, you need a path to restoration so that you can actually relieve yourself. Like so, you can offer yourself that sandwich. So you can offer yourself that that leg up or somebody else that leg up. But if you feel belittled in the process, you're just going to be beaten down further. You know what I mean? Right. And so you need to feel dignified in the process. You need to feel loved. And so what we see every day is we see people eventually coming back and serving rather than being served. Wow. I'll give you a quick story about that. Um, every year we have a radio personality here in Oklahoma on a sports talk radio at, around Christmas time. He'll, uh, you know, the, the local electricity company here in Oklahoma City, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to use names. Um, they actually give him an electric car and he drives around for 12 days, picking up checks all over the state for us. And some guy um, who owned a local trucking company calls him and says, Hey, I need you to come meet me at this truck stop and pick up a, a check I have for city center. So he goes and picks up a check from the guy and the guy says, man, just so you know, about three years ago, I was down on my luck. My business had failed and I needed some food and I needed some clothing. I went to city center. They gave me a food box. And I'm going to probably get a little emotional yeah. here. Yeah. They gave me a food box. They gave me some clothing. I got back on my feet. Now my business is doing well. Here's a check for 150 bucks. So that was, his, he needed relief. He felt dignified. He was led to a path of restoration. That's why we do what we do. And we see that every day, you know? And so there's, not to put anybody else down, but there's been situations where that wasn't the case. But we right. feel like there's a reason behind why we do what we do. It's not just what you do. It's how you do it, and it's why you do it. So, I want to ask you a question. There's yeah. probably people that have come up to you, or maybe not, but I, I <clears> know that plenty of people think it, um, where they may say something like, well, you're enabling that person versus sure. really helping them. What do you say to that? You know, I say this. I've gotten, you're right. I've gotten that question out a whole a lot. And I said, you know, we have a process that we we've seen proven and we trust. And there's a spiritual component to what I do, what we do as well. And here's what I say. And, and you know, some people that aren't very spiritual and don't have a relationship with with God that that, that I that I follow. But to those that are spiritual, because mostly it's spiritual people, you know, that have a that are, you know, Christians, you know, typically mm -hmm. that I that I hear this right. from. Right. And I say I feel like I follow what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And I let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. You know, it's his job to convict them or do whatever he's supposed to do on the, the backside of that. So I follow my conviction. And this is my conviction to treat people with dignity, with love, to offer what's in my hand. And guess what? The provision keeps coming in the door for us. And so we keep giving it with no barrier to entry. Hmm. So that's how we, that, that's how we that's operate. That's incredible. And yeah. we talked a little bit about that, but I've even had the same conversation with my wife of like, what type of giver are we going to be? And yeah. how are we going to, how are we going to give? Are we going to give and, and expect 
something or also sometimes even expect the worst out of the person. And, um, and I, I think what we've had to really come, you know, first off, it's a hard issue and we have to be Mm -hmm. able to understand that if we are led to give, then that's all we can do. And there's, there's literally nothing else we should expect after that. Um, and so I think that's, uh, incredible and it's incredible to see that at work, to be honest at scale. And to see that yeah. what you all are doing is is truly impacting the lives. Um, there's there's one thing we're missing here, and I think it's really important. You all give experiences that people mm. sometimes will never experience. To be honest, thank thank God that most people don't have to go through this. But yeah. you all give experiences to people to help them understand, and I would say have empathy um, for mm. those that you do serve. Uh, can you share yeah. a little bit more about that? Because I think that's a really unique point about what you all do. Yeah, we, you, in, as far as experiences like the outreach experience that f- for volunteers and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have definitely, we have quarterly events that we give, a large outreach events that we give on, on a regular basis. We have volunteer opportunities on a, on a daily basis that we can give people opportunities to experience. And one of the things that I always say, at our events before we, you know, if we do a rally or if we do a, um, something like that before a volunteer opportunity comes, I say, today's our day to be fun and flexible. You know, we are here to love without limits and to be flexible, stubborn with the purpose, but flexible with the plan, you know, because the purpose is to dignify people. You know, I say, this is outreach, you know, person to person, not down, you know, downward. And so we have quarterly events where we have a big birthday bash every year, right around March or April, right around April, actually, where we celebrate the city center's birthday. Then we have our Thanksgiving outreach where we celebrate with the community and we serve a nice Thanksgiving lunch the Saturday before Thanksgiving because, and we actually sit down with people and we eat the meal with people, with volunteers as we serve the meal as well, because it's not just about handing out a, you know, a to-go box and saying, here's your meal, go have you know, go have fun with that. We know we, we eat the meal with the community and say, you know, you're our family, your community too. And if you walk in our doors, no matter who you are at city center, you are now our friend. You're not our guest. You're our friend. Um, then we have a big, uh, Christmas toy drive every year where we, um, we, we, uh, Julie and her team, my wife, Julie, she personally shops for 2,500 students and they each get a want and a need gift for Christmas and we do a three days of Christmas where we get to, um, we, um, shop for all the, the toys, we wrap all the toys and we deliver all the toys to the community. And we do it in such a way where we don't make the community come to us to, you know, feel like they have to receive in a benevolent way, the right, gift, right. we actually deliver hide the in the shadows. To, yeah. We hide in the shadows and we, yeah, we deliver the gifts to the families ahead of time. And it's so cool because when we come to the parents and, you know, give the gifts to the parents, not the kids. So the parents can have a Christmas day with the kids and give them their gifts themselves. Man, we have so many cool stories of, you know, parents bringing us, you know, having cookies prepared for us and giving us those cookies and, um, or, and, you know, homemade enchiladas or homemade tamales or all these just really cool moments. And we have these like really neat relationships with the community. And so, yeah, we just have all these really, and then we have a back to school outreach where we, we have 
Um, we give away backpacks filled with school supplies every single year. And the community just rallies with us. And we have these amazing moments with our community. And they're just like huge block parties where we have fun games and experiences with our, with our, with our family, with our community. It's incredible. So I want to ask you, yeah. would you say that failure got you to where you are today? Oh man. Talk about failing forward. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> failure. Did you is think the you were fail? Did you think you were failing forward? No, I thought I was just failing. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. Just making no. sure. When you're failing, you just think you're failing. You know, you just feel like, yeah. you know, um, there's, you know, there's a lot associated with that too. There's a lot of shame that comes with that. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of different things that actually in hindsight can be great teachers. You know, if you leverage them the right ways, if you have the right people in your life too, that can help you leverage those in the right ways. Um, so yeah, definitely failure has, has propelled me into a, a life that's been um, a really pretty cool life. Can you, can, can we talk a little bit more about the, the, the failure and also the shame? Uh, I would yeah. love to go a little bit more into uh, what that looked like. And uh, that started at a very early age for you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I grew up here in Oklahoma city, um, Northwest OKC. Um, I, um, you know, had a, had a good home, honestly, for the most part, I had two parents in the home, but my father did pass at a young age and things got a little crazy. You know, he, um, I didn't see his life before the negativity in his life before I was born. He was an alcoholic. And, um, I think my older brothers and sister saw the worst of him. Maybe not my sister, but my older three brothers did. And they were pretty bad in the drugs and alcohol. <clears throat> You know, then they, um, I, so I saw the worst of him through them. You know, I, um, then at 14 years old, after he passed, I started selling drugs for one of my older brothers in Oklahoma city. So by the time I was 18, I was really neck deep in all that stuff. So at 18 years old, I'm carrying a gun, selling drugs in Oklahoma city. Before I know it, I'm wrapped up in an armed robbery in Northwest OKC. Got a gun in my hand. An officer, a police officer confronts me in, in the midst of this armed robbery, about 20 feet away from me. I draw my weapon on him. Really bad idea. He draws his weapon on me. As I'm about to squeeze the trigger, he, he squeezes the trigger five times first, hitting me four times in my chest, arm, and in my hand. I lose 65% of my blood supply. Flatline in the ambulance for 20 seconds. I wake up handcuffed to a bed in ICU in Baptist Medical Center thinking what just happened, you know, um, before I know it, I'm in County jail. I get bonded out, which means somebody had to put some money up for me to get out of jail, which was my mom. And I'm out for seven and a half months. <clears throat> After that seven and a half months, I had to go back into County jail for a month for pre-sentence investigation. Uh, they had to figure out what kind of guy I was to, think, to see if I was worthy of getting a reduced sentence. Bad, bad thing about that, there wasn't much to find out about me that was really good going on. I was doing a lot of bad things. I was a pretty right. angry kid at that time. I had a, I mean, honestly, I had, I had a great, I wasn't, a lot of my friends that I, I, I see today that knew me back then, you know, I was a, I wasn't a bad guy. I was an angry kid, you know, I was just an yeah. angry kid, mad at the world, walking around, just angry. And so, um, so I get, it's time for my sentencing after a month of being in the county jail go back into the courthouse 
um, going to the courtroom. My family's all there. My girlfriend, who was pregnant at the time, almost nine months pregnant, goes into labor in the courtroom. The judge wraps his gavel on the, on the, on the bench and sentences me to 47 years in prison. And again, I'm like, what just happened? I, I couldn't imagine living to be 47, let alone doing 47 years in prison. So I get taken away back to the county jail, and I, that's when I had my moment with God, and I realized my life was going to be changed forever. And I repented in that county jail cell and gave my life to Christ, and I realized that you know, I just wanted to be something different than what I was. Um, miraculously, I only did eight years in prison because of good behavior. Um, got out in 2003 and started living a new life. Before I knew it, I was a pastor at a church in 2007 and started doing outreach ministry with a pretty large church here in Oklahoma City, um, setting up mentorship programs in low-income housing communities and serving the community, the same community I used to poison and sell drugs to. Where, where, where did you get any of this training? Where did you get any? Um, <laughs> did you know what the heck you were doing? No, I didn't. <laughs> Why did they but, say yes to this? So are you that good of a salesman because you're selling drugs? (laughs) I I think that my street pharmacist techniques came into play. (laughs) I prefer to call myself a a former street pharmacist. I know some people that were drugs. I know some people that did that sold drugs before. And I'm telling you, it's amazing the success that they can have afterwards. (laughs) It is. It truly is. It's crazy. So yeah, the way that happened, I don't know if we have time for that story, but I was actually in the lobby at the church I was attending. And um, here's a cool story too, a full circle story. I was in the lobby of the church we were attending with my son, my the son that was born that day that I went to, to prison. And um, the youth pastor was talking to me and he said, hey, you seem like you'd be a really great youth pastor. And it's the church that's across the street from City Center, the building you were in, that I was became a pastor at. And um, I was like, man, you you probably should run a background check yeah, before you commit to that. If you only knew. You know? <laughs> if you only knew. And so, well, what's funny is the building that is now City Center used to be their youth building. So the first place that I volunteered as a youth you know, sponsor, you volunteer, it, is it was in the building that's the first place I volunteered. Now we own the building and now we serve all kinds of youth every year out of that same building. So I, he, I told him, I told him my whole story. His eyes got big as, you know, coffee saucers because he was like, really like, you know, I, I believe he said the Lord's prayer in his mother's womb. Like that's, he's like Uber <laughs> saved, you know, like he had never done anything like that in his life. Right. Or heard a story, you know, he only heard stories like that at testimonial nights, you know? Right, 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 right. Um, and so we became fast friends and I started volunteering over there and he's like, no, man, we need a guy like you because there's a lot of kids in this community that need a story like that. So started volunteering there. And before I knew it, the, the staff at Victory Church really like thought, man, we really think you'd be a, a good candidate for a pastor. So I went through the process and became a pastor. So, wow. What a, what a story. So what would you say was the the biggest lesson learned. I mean, I know that uh, pulling a gun on a police officer's, you know, you learn that quickly, but yeah. But when you think about how that is applied to your life now, yeah, and where you are, what does that look like? 
Yeah, the biggest lesson learned, I would say, um, yeah, I would just say, I would say this. I would say, you know, I wish I would have addressed more of my childhood trauma, my childhood and my the trauma that came out of that earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, because there was a lot of things that I kind of just, all right, I'm 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 saved now and I can move on with my life. There's a lot of things that I've been addressing over you know the last multiple years that right. it's like, man, I wish I would have unpacked that earlier. You know what I mean? Because right. there's a lot of things that even people that haven't gone through what I've gone through, um, they just haven't addressed. You know, and I think that it's right. probably affecting a lot of our lives, and we just don't realize that. I think it. I mean, I think it. Of course, it affects our personal, our spiritual life, but also our our work. And yeah. as visionaries like you are, I I think it affects our overall vision for yeah. the organizations we lead, the people we lead, how we serve, how we how we help yeah. them, how we mentor them, how we coach them. It's incredible yeah. to think that the trauma that we faced, we could potentially be leading people as much as we have good intentions, leading them down a road uh, that is not productive. Mm-hmm. Even when it, and from the outside, it looks good, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. So just, just a question, like, how are you dealing with that? Because I think that's one of the things um, I think most people hide behind is that, you know, they, sure. they either don't address it, um, you know, or people say, well, you got to have a counselor or whatever. Like, what are the ways that you are, are looking to address that? I mean, how does that, how do you unpack that? Yeah. Sure. Well, counseling for sure is a really good, that's an obvious start. Um, Educating myself was one, a a big thing on it, you know, reading books that were related to trauma specifically, and then exercise, eating right, eating, being healthy, things like that, watching what I consume, you know, Um, though, obviously when the first thing is my spiritual walk with, with God, with Christ was, was something that was very, important as well. All those things combined are things that are very, very important, but counseling, that was something that was very stigmatized for, for a long time. I think that in the, in the spiritual world of things, it was like, Oh, here's a salvation one that is waved over you and things are all better now. Well, yeah, that can, that can definitely happen. I believe that. But I think we also, need to bear one another's burdens. And I think that that kind of speaks to counseling a little bit. And so we need to have and healthy mentors too, was something that had to, had to happen for me, have people in my life that I can confide in and talk with, share things with. Um, but then that counselor piece was a big deal. So that's a finding those mentors. A lot of people talk about that, but mm-hmm. I, I will say that most people never find the mentor that they can truly confide in and, and mm-hmm. tell the truth to, right. To be That's absolutely true. vulnerable. Yeah. A lot yeah. of the times we're positioning ourselves in some way so that we can get something out of it. Right. Or we don't want That's them to, so they don't want them to think too low of us, <laughs> you know, yeah. we'll be vulnerable to an extent uh, because that's what we're supposed to do. But I, I think that is, uh, that is something so important for everyone to, to really focus on is how can we, how can we truly be, you know, vulnerable in those situations and honest? Yeah. 
That's why I like the name of this podcast, Dangerously Vulnerable, because it, it's dangerous. But if you yes. find the right person to be vulnerable with, I, I believe this. I really believe this. Like people are drawn to vulnerability. They truly are. And because they, I think all of us truly want to be vulnerable. It's like, ah, oh, this is refreshing. I can actually be honest with somebody. But with, right. but honestly, you have to find the right person because that's all, because it is dangerous. If you're, if is. you're vulnerable with the wrong person, that can also backfire on you. So. Oh man, it could, it could backfire in so many ways. And, you know, unfortunately I feel like some of the, the times it backfires the most is when you uh, tell the wrong person with the best intentions, Oh yeah. Don't know, don't know squat about how to, how to sure. receive the information that they sure, just yeah. received. Right. Yep. And yep. It, it can that's really, good. it can really put you in a, in a bad position. So that's a good segue into my last really theme for today. And that's, I want to focus just quickly on the people. Uh, people have been a part of your life and a part of OK City Center. And yeah. that is truly what has made this um, is, sure. is people. And mm-hmm. I just want to know, you know, from a visionary standpoint, uh, when you when you think about the people that have truly uh, helped you uh, and helped you and Julie, uh, get mm-hmm. to where you are today with the with OK City Center. Like, who would those who would those people be and why? I, I know that's I know that you've got a thousand or more. But when you think about sure. some of the the people that have been truly pivotal in your in your life, who would those be? Yeah, well, of course, just Julie. You know, she's been my she's been my rock, man. She's been my. Um, I mean, obviously, we've done this together, so I mean, I, I, it goes without saying that she's been you know, my, per- the, it's yeah, she's incredible. Together. She has an yeah, incredible story too. <laughs> she does. She really, really does. She, she does not get enough credit. You know, I, my story has kind of just always been that, you know, wild, wild west kind of story, story or whatever, right. but she has a phenomenal story that, you know, she's, she, I, I try to tell as often as I can, but you know, there's a couple guys like John Chastine, who's, one of my closest friends, he's a lead pastor of a church here in town and the president of the King's University. And he actually was the one that said, hey, I got a building for you. I think you could, I think you could do this. I think this would be something that you would really do. And he was my board chairman for a while too. Um, but he's been one of my close friends and, and one of those people that has just been a, a big champion for me. And um, just a phenomenal guy. One of the one of the highest levels of integrity that I've ever seen in a person. Um, just a really incredible guy. Another guy named CJ Johnson, another lead pastor of a, of a large church in Indianapolis. Um, phenomenal guy. Same thing. Matter of fact, years ago, we were on staff together at a church and we were driving down in downtown OKC. And um, I was the outreach pastor at the church here in town that we spoke of earlier. And um, we were driving and he pointed out this building and he said, man, you should try to buy that church someday and make and do have an outreach center out, out of that church. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So people that have just called out things in me, the same thing. Mm-hmm. Those are two guys. Um, another guy, his name is Matt Wood. Just and these are three guys that I'm telling you about them and their wives. They know they know the vault story about me, all yeah. the things that nobody else like, you know right, what I mean? Like, right, right. like, you know, like 
you're, you guys are going to have to like take a sacred vow, you know, like these are, th- you know what I mean? Like just stuff yeah. that, you know, right. these are just guys that know everything about me in my life. Right. And, um, but, but they believe and still believe in me, you know, they just really believe in me. And, but yeah, there, there's just people that have just really loved me along the way. And then there's a, a mentor that I just always call, you know, the, to ask and say, Hey, what do you think about this? What would you do in this scenario? And that's Wes Lane. Um, he's the the uh, founder of Salt, um, mm, yeah. which is an organization here in Oklahoma City. Uh, he was my mentor when I graduated Salt, and we still talk here and there. We don't talk all the time, but he we still talk often. Uh, he's an incredible guy, and he's really championed me and believed in me as well. So, and there's just so many more, and I hate that I can't name them all. But I, I know, right? No, it. I, I think it's it's just. Uh, it's incredible to have people that truly know who you are. Yeah. And because they truly know who you are, the deepest, darkest <laughs> secrets and everything mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. they're actually able to see your vision for what it truly is. And uh, that's what's so incredible is that because of that, they've been able to really help push you forward mm-hmm. in so yeah. many ways. Yeah. And so, it's, it's really, it's really neat to need to see that. So we're about out of time, but just really quick, I would love for everyone to know, first off, you've got to tell us just really quick about the event. This podcast yeah. will be dropping right before the event. So, uh, can you tell us quickly about, uh, the event and when it's going to happen? Yeah. So the event is September 26th. And it's at the Jones assembly downtown and man, you know, a great guy that I've gotten to know. His name is Graham Colton. He's one of the, the partners there, one of the owners, I believe, of the venue. He, We were the first nonprofit to ever host an event there. And we are so proud of that. They're incredible folks. And um, it's a it's our annual dinner event, our annual gala. And a little over 200 people attend the event. We have a live auction, a silent auction. And it's our only actual... Well, no, it's, it's one of two fundraisers. We have another fundraiser that a radio personality in town helps us with at Christmas. But, and um, it's going to be a nice dinner. There are opportunities to sponsor tables. If you're a business, there are opportunities to buy individual tickets as well. And so, yeah, we'd love for anybody to come out. If, if you're, if it's dropping just right before, if this podcast is dropping right before, it's probably going to be sold out by the time you hear this, but well, let's see if we can we can get it out as soon as possible. Then. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Julie, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So next year, prepare for it. Yeah, Julie, <laughs> Julie uh, expressed just. I mean, it seems like a extremely lively event. It's very lively. Um, yes. Yeah, and this is not any just normal sit down. Uh, enjoy your meal. There's the auction. There's entertainment. Uh, it yes, seems like it's a, a lot, lot of fun. Of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a black and it's not stuffy either. It's not like a black tie, you know, it's, it's a fun, classy date night. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Well, I've got my ticket. Um, so actually I've got, I've got, I got both tickets, actually a friend, uh, sailor with express my brand actually right, got them did. for us. And, uh, we're going to go as a couple's date. There tonight. you go. So we should have like a lot it. of That's fun. Right. And as, as you know, being with sailor, Oh, all you, all you can do is enjoy. So yeah, that's right. Um, so that's a lot of fun. So how, uh, how can other people just learn more about you, get in touch with you? What are the best ways to do that? 
Well, I mean, somebody just built us a new website, I think. And so it's, that should it's launch coming pretty soon. soon. We're going to drop it soon. <laughs> yeah. So okcitycenter.org by the time this drops, I believe, right? Awesome. Yep. It's yep. going to be okay. fun. Okcitycenter.org is the best way to get in touch with us. And we are so excited to see this new website come out. And you can jump on that website and learn all about us. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you've gone through some rebrand, some messaging, uh, and then the website, uh, and you know, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be amazing once it's finished. And I think it, I think it fully communicates, uh, what you all are working to accomplish for years to come. So it's really exciting to, to be a part of that. All right. Well, Hey, Jed, really appreciate you being a part of this. Um, thanks for sharing your story. I wish we could share more. Um, maybe we can get into deepest, darkest secrets later down the road um, <laughs> hey, but for today. They're not for today. They're, not, they're, they're podcast safe. Yeah, I believe, yeah so we're, I think we're good. We've, we've been dangerously vulnerable enough today. So I yeah. appreciate it. And, yeah. uh, and hopefully guys, if you're able to go to the event, take advantage of that, uh, take advantage of experiencing something different and uh, being a part of something uh, quite amazing. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for joining us today on another episode of the Dangerously Vulnerable Podcast. To learn more about me, the Visionaries Wingman, head over to KaganHenson.com. If you're willing, subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and tell us what you think. Until next time, keep breaking through those barriers that are holding you back from accomplishing your extraordinary vision.